I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to another episode of That's a Wrap podcast. Did you miss us? Good Lord, it's I good hope to you be did. Back. Heck, missed all of you, and I miss the two of you guys. Uh, yeah, we haven't man. had a pod in over a month, yeah. so you guys have you to. Know, re- we you have to realize that whenever we do a pod, it's almost like we get together again. We start talking about each other's lives. Like this is the only time we actually get to talk to each other. Absolutely. So uh, I'm your co-host, Jerry Rosales. Uh, I'm joined by fresh from Japan from his honeymoon, uh, Jay Long. Yes, What's sir, up, buddy? Man, wow, Japan, guys! Whenever you get a chance, go to Japan and uh, hear me out. Okay, you have to try these things called an onigiri. If you don't know what it is, search it up. You'll thank me later. Uh, Dre, how about you, man? How was your summer, bro? My summer was good. Uh, I worked and was a patron at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, if that wasn't painfully obvious by my social media. Um, <laughs> Very brief, but very exciting. Jay, what about you? Just enjoying the time with the kids, and oh, the the best of all, spending a little bit of time with Michelle Obama the other day. But Ooh. you know, no big deal. You know, <laughs> you have her on speed dial. It's all good. Nah, we're you know, she is uh, your first lady. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, but yeah, uh, we've got a lot to talk about, guys. It's been a month, you know, a lot's happened in a month. And, uh, you know, we are recording this on Thursday, September the 26th. So by the time you listen to this, there may be new news because mm-hmm. training camps are opening, media days are uh, upon us in the next couple of days. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So why don't we dive straight into this um, news today about the NBA G League? This is there's some tea spillage, no? If so, all right, let's spill some tea, boys. So, yeah, so we are um, talking about the G League, and they've instituted a new rule this season. And, Jay, would you like to uh, introduce us to this new rule that's going to be instituted? So this is actually kind of interesting, because kudos to the G League, who are always up for, uh, well, I guess more Adam Silver, is always up for trying new things uh, and developing it um, in the G League. So this... This uh, development of a one free throw rule. Now, if you don't know what this means, is that instead of using two free throws to have one or two points or zero, uh, the one free throw will implement either if you're going to get two points or none. So if you get that first bucket, then you get two. If you don't, if you miss that first bucket, you get zero. 
What do you guys think about that? That's kind of interesting. I haven't really thought of it through too much. It's more of like a, almost like a 2K rule to me, but I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like it. Interesting little, little wrinkle, right? Because what the, the purpose of this rule is, is to try to cut down the times of the game. So uh, the, the, I think it was Mark Stein uh, from, from the New York Post was, was, was saying that the average game time for a G League game is about two hours and five minutes. And the thought process behind this is if we eliminate at least one or two free throws per trip, this actually reduces the, uh, the, the game time overall to under the two hour mark on average. And that's perfect for in terms of like programming and scheduling and things. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of it. But the other part is like, uh, you know, kind of hand in hand with speeding up the game. It's like, it kind of, add that extra little bit of tension right yeah. it's like if you're a good free throw shooter and you know you you would have hit you know the, the first one of two that counts as two right so uh it, it kind of goes both ways like if you have three free throws for example and you you miss it you've quote unquote missed all three even though you've really only missed one shot so very interesting wrinkle that's true um you know what i what i do realize though is the reason why i kind of like this is because and may, maybe it's a little strange to think about, but it kind of eliminates an odd number. So it, it's it's more like there's True. there's more of a chance of instead of having ones, you're only going to add two and threes. So like it could even um, raise the scoring too. It could be faster and raise the scoring. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst idea for time constraint reasons. The only thing I think that's a little weird is it's it's more detrimental you have one shot two points zero points it's not going to affect your scoring ability in any way you're still going to practice and everything but this is a g league which used to be the d league the developmental league i think it's a bit weird if we have players a lot of players sent into this league to get better and all of that and it's not going to throw them off too much but think about it if foul shots and all of those single points is so strategically used in the actual NBA and everything around it. I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's a little, it's a little strange. Cause like it's, it's almost, it doesn't throw off that much really. Cause it's, you know, one single shot mm -hmm. and then it's, it's a two points or whatever, but I don't know. Like actually what does the rule do in favor of, and and one for instance, if if you take the shot and you have like and one the and one stays the same. Okay, so it's just Still an additional shot, point. One point, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, knowing that, I mean, that's a little bit better, I guess. But still, it's 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 a little strange because I don't know. Foul shots are it's it's not getting rid of the strategy; it's changing it a little bit mm -hmm. to the point where it means so much more. If Shaquille O'Neal goes to the foul line, for instance, See, yeah, that's what I was like, thinking about too. Because then that could also get people to do like more of a hack a shag or hack a Dwight, uh, like wanting to do that more so now. Because if it's just this one, this is like this is why it's weird. Because let's say Shaquille O'Neal, the hack a shag goes to the line, 
you either shoot yourself in the foot because the one shot that he gets in out of like a thousand right. is not two points, right, right, right. or it's like you never get them in. So it's it, it's a great method. So it's it's a little strange because guess what? There are still people in the league that shoot really poorly. Right. So actually, actually, the the G League has another rule that was implemented. I believe it was last year regarding the hack a shack regarding intentional oh. fouling. Um, and that is, uh, if it's if it's very blatant, you know, away from the ball, um, you're, you're obviously trying to follow the worst free throw shooter. That team gets one free throw and possession. Oh, so it's like D League has kind of already figured Ooh. this part out. So if you combine that with your, you know, one shot counts for for both, um, they kind of have found a little bit of a solution there for that. And the other thing they've added to this rule, this rule about the one free throw counts for all, is that. Uh, it's it doesn't it's not a rule that they're going to institute in the last two minutes of the game and I think of the half so it's like during those last two minutes it's still one shot like if you have two free throws you're taking two if you have two shots two free throws this is only going to happen for you know the the first 46 minutes of the game or whatever it is but during the last two minutes uh, it's back to your normal rule where a requisite number of shots per foul Mm -hmm. okay that's not bad. So it's not just an arbitrary. Yeah, it's not just an arbitrary. This is the way it is. We want to speed things up. It's it's a little bit more calculated. It's well, I guess we'll see. As as someone who loves loves the numbers and the percentages of 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 shooting percentages and things of that nature, I lean towards not liking this because I think you gotta. It's gonna mess your numbers, right? It's like, you know, like you guys were both saying, if you miss one shot, that counts as two missed shots. It's like. But maybe they, they but maybe they you take away but maybe they take away that 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 um the two points or the the two the two shots. Now it's just I guess if you're looking at free throw percentages or free throw attempts, then it's probably cut into half then, right? Like the stats are still there. They're just not as apparent, maybe. Uh, I think the numbers get screwed up though. Mm. Like if the, the counting stats, right? Because then what you're saying is that it's like, okay, I took one free throw and it counts as, you know, one out of one, let's say. But your point total is going to be two points. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's an right. I think the numbers are kind of screwed up there, right? right so right, right. I don't know. It, it's hurting my brain a little bit. But <laughs> and uh, also like the the true the true um, field goal percentage, like it, it gets a little weird. I get it. Like it, you're you're trying to speed up the game, and and you know this this adds a little bit of extra tension to that one shot, right? A little bit of extra pressure, but. The one thing um, I would I think love the lead to implement is the uh, the European style of no goaltending when it's around the rim. Like if when the ball is around the rim, you can tip it as much as you can or as much as you want, as long as you're not like, you know, tipping it underneath the rim or anything like that or like through the hoop. Oh, you remember? Did you see that in the World Cup? Yeah. You, this, with this, uh, what's with, it? Uh, with Bruno? Yeah. Very smart. And then you could that see the awesome other bench player. that was like they were they were going crazy, but that's the rule. And and that could also kind of speed up the game too, right? Because that eliminates goaltending, if you think about it. Like I, I think that's a great rule. And it also kind of allows like more uh the, the European um players coming into the league uh to not have to get used to that either. I don't know. I like that rule yeah. as well. But anyways, let's keep going. Let's keep going, Jay. <laughs> uh so another speaking of rules now let's talk, let's go to the big leagues now let's talk about the nba and then what's been making the news over the past week is uh adam silver's announcement that uh the nba is going to be cracking down a little bit harder on tampering 
Yep. Uh, uh, this is this is a hot topic. Yeah, I, want to talk, uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys about this. Um, so if you guys don't mind, I'm going to jump into this one here. I, I did a little bit of research on this, and you know, my biggest takeaway from looking into the anti-tampering rules is that there really isn't a whole lot being introduced. So have you guys looked into this? Like, what is your impression of like what the, before I jump into it, I, I'm interested to know what you guys, what your interpretation of the rules are. What do you know so far about these anti-tampering rules? Because I have some news about that. What I'm assuming that they are is that they're cracking down more on uh, agents and GMs trying to talk to free agents, I guess. Like, if yeah. if it was uh, before they're allowed to, right? yeah, before they're allowed to. Um, yeah. What what I'm going more concerned about is what happens if it was a player and player. Like, w there's the amount of times that LeBron has, and quite frankly, it's okay to me. It's okay. I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. Like LeBron is the, the most well known player in the league in the freaking world by all means. And so if he's just gonna go to another team and just say, "What's up?" Is that tampering? Like you know, I I I don't know how they're gonna crack down on on uh, players and players in reaction or even agents because now uh, speaking with LeBron again his agent is his best friend so if it's what happens if it's just like KD and LeBron's agent kind of talking buddy buddy like how do you how do you police, police that? that right yeah that's my anything opinion. else you want to add there Dre anything that you got uh, out of the anti-tampering I mean it's it's about the same thing I also um was thinking along the lines of just the, the social media presence of celebrity GMs or owners or presences like a Mark Cuban, for instance, right. where he basically flat out admitted years ago, hey, yeah, we're tanking. We need to get a good player. Bam, he gets fined, you know? So right. uh, it's that kind of thing as well where, um, like, how does this relate, not just to letting it be known, but just tanking in general, where I know that that's something that they might even change the NBA lottery where it's not necessarily the lottery system. I, who knows what's going to happen with that, but like along yeah. those lines as well, on not just what, what uh, Jason brought up. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure there's more to it than this, right? Well, yeah. And, and I think that there were some things that I assumed out of this, uh, very similar to what you guys were saying. Um, but here, here's some of the facts. Okay. So one of the facts is that they're going to be increasing. If you are caught tampering, the fines will go up to a maximum of $10 million. Holy crap. Um, the, the fines previously was a maximum of 5 million. But if you really think about that, like think about how much money they're giving to players right now. Think about the salary cap of each team. I, I'm not going to say that 10 million is nothing, but if you're gonna pay if I'm if I, if you're gonna charge the Raptors that say ten million for tampering, but we end up with Antetokounmpo, yeah. I will gladly pay <laughs> the ten million dollars. You know, <laughs> so in my eyes, it's like the fine isn't really what scares what what should scare these billion dollar owners, right? Un yeah, it got increased from five to ten. Unless, unless, hear me out. So let's say that you get fined ten million. That ten million comes out the cap space of your team. That would uh, that would scare right. them a little bit more, no? I would still say if it if it still meant like get going into let's say the luxury tax even more just to get that guy, then I would say it's worth it. Mm. it. It obviously would would not work out if you if you don't get the guy, yeah, didn't get the <laughs> yeah, guy right? yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's one part. The next part is that um, Adam Silver, in theory, and here's now here's a good punishment, has the um, 
the authority to remove draft picks. Oh, now that one is more of a sore spot, right? You can't like it's a lot harder to get those, right? So if you're if Adam Silver can come in and just say, you know what, what you're doing is detrimental to the NBA, I'm taking a draft pick. That's now that one that's pretty heavy is interesting. However, the CBA, so that's not a new rule. It's already there. He already has that power. He's more or less reminding people that that they know, that right? they can do that. Oh, geez. Right, right. Um, another part of this, these anti-tampering rules. So there will be, and this is a little bit interesting here. There will be an annual random audits of five teams, and the mandate is, um, you know, if if they can find that there was cause, if if they feel like there was a cause that existed, and that. Um, the league could undertake more in-depth investigations. Now, that's word wow. for word out of, out of the, the release. My question to that is, like, who the heck, like, whoever those five teams are that you're going to choose, Silver is going to get scrutinized, right? It's like, why did you pick these five teams? And then on the flip side, it's like, why didn't you pick any of these other 25 teams? You right. know, like, it's, he's going to be under a microscope chooses and who he doesn't choose, that's right? Fair. So it's that's a hard one right yeah in addition to that when it comes to these quote-unquote audits these audits are going to be like in depth right they're going to be looking at all kinds of communications that you've been have that agents have been having and the teams have been having with them um what happens if you find like let's say it's nine let's say the, the the team you you investigate is the raptors right you find there's no tampering they're fine but you find other stuff other stuff that's also bad, right? Like they have secret intel on like other coaches or secret intel on players that they're looking to uh, evaluate, things like that. Mm-hmm. Things that are like not quote unquote tampering, but still, like, what can you do then, right? right? Do you have to create a new law to punish them? Or, right. you know, it's this whole random audits thing is very, I don't know. They're going, it's they're going all like FBI on this now. Like it's, this is no joke. I Good. Mean, I, yeah, I, I guess so. Mm. Like, I don't think that this uh, whole tampering issue is going to scare anybody, though. Like, I to me, if like you said, Jay, if if it's ten million, fine. You're right. You know what I mean. Like, do what you got to do. But I'm gonna keep on right. hounding as many. If I'm an NBA, if I'm Mark Cuban, I'm gonna keep on hounding as many agents as I want because, like, I I, I can. Like, I right. I, I don't think. Um, Unless it's like blatantly obvious that that you know a GM is trying to, uh, trying to like take my player, like basically whatever LA Clippers were doing last year, shouldn't that be tampering? Yeah, I mean that that's that's it feels like that's the reason why this was elevated to the point where it's elevated, right? Like mm-hmm. the Kawhi thing is at the center of this. This is the reason why it's like that's like the straw that broke the back, right? It's like. Okay, we really have to look into this. So, right. th- there, there's a little bit more that I could talk about, but the the basic gist of these anti-tampering rules, I feel like, it's. It, I compare it to you know when uh, the police comes out and say, "Hey, we're doing uh, the ride program this weekend." Yeah. Like you know, we all know we're drivers. We know we're not supposed to speed. We know we're supposed to have our seatbelt. But when the police come out and say, "All right, for the next two days, we're we're doing ride," you notice that you. You kind of pay attention a little bit more to your. That's fair. And uh, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's it's more. We're not instituting anything new. These rules already exist. We're just reminding you that we're going to be policing it a little bit tougher. 
uh, over this certain period of time. I, I can so already see that. Now your guard is up, right? I can already see like when the NBA get, or says w- which five uh, teams that are being investigated. I can see like the Raptors like burning through, bur- like throwing papers into a fire or <laughs> into like a paper shredder. <laughs> Just hurry, well, hurry. Well, so well, like, the part I skipped, right? The part I skipped was that the the another rule is, of this is that will be a requirement of top team officials to save their communications with agents for one year. Oh my god. So, ooh. It's like, okay, well, we can go back as far as a year and see what conversations you've been having with agents. So you know what? Already there are teams that are wiping out their data. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Right? I can hundred percent imagine that. Actually, at a LeBron James's Taco Tuesday, that's one of the ingredients is shredded up co- <laughs> yeah. uh, cover, conversational papers. It's like, Taco Tuesday, get your guac. Yeah. He's just like shoving this stuff in there. He's like, here, eat, eat, eat quickly. Eat this quickly. <laughs> yeah. I don't even got no teeth. Yeah. No tweets for me. That's amazing. <laughs> he, he, actually, he didn't, um, they didn't actually cancel it. He just pulled out from, from the Taco <laughs> Tuesday just because of the tampering rule. Oh man. Okay. Well, okay. more like I ain't talking Tuesday. I ain't <laughs> hashtag I ain't talking Tuesday. Speaking of the tampering rules, somebody already got fined, right? Oh boy. Yep. My boy. Tell us who got fined. Well, My boy, Yanis at the Goomba. Well, not Yanis. Yanis didn't get fined, but the Bucks got fined 50K for the tampering rule. And yep. so this is what I'm getting out of it. So the GM, I, I don't remember his name. I should have written this down. Anyways, the Bucks. GM, uh, in 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 an interview uh, prior to when Giannis Antetokounmpo is uh, his contract is up, which is next year, next summer, he said that uh, he's going to give Giannis a max five year deal. And according to this tampering rule that we just went through with Jay and Dre, uh, you can't do that. You if he's under contract, even when he's working with you, you can say Giannis is great. I think uh, he's great for the Bucks, and I believe he should be uh, part of the Bucks for the uh, near future. But you can't say I'm going to offer him five years. You can't say that. And boom, fifty k. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean that's interesting because let's not forget that last year, uh, much to the Raptors' chagrin, that the Bucks were treated as one of the the poster teams of, of the East, you know, that they, they came first, you know, Giannis got MVP and, you know, this is a big message because it's not just any old team. It's not like the, the Knicks down on their luck are being kicked while they're down. This is like, we, we're going to give you all these awards. I'm going to give you coach of the year, MVP, team of the year, whatever you want. But we're also going to say you as an example, bam. There you go. So right. it's like this big statement now. That's the way I read it. It's a huge statement because it's not just any old team. It's the Bucks in the best they've ever been in like this millennium. It's the Bucks at the height of their career and like one of the best teams of the league. So it's a big statement to be like, yeah, well, we we don't take favorites. We actually don't care. I like it. But see, this is where I'm kind of concerned about. It's like you don't think that teams, GMs, agents everywhere around the league is already talking about two years down the line, three years down the line of what contract they want and how much money they want. There's no way that these these mm-hmm. numbers aren't thrown around every single day. So it's it's like again, this comes back to the tampering rule. Like how are you gonna police this? Is that do you have to be hush hush now? Um, especially if you're gonna keep everything on record. Like 
it's it's kind of insane. I I agree. I agree with you, Dre. That I'm glad it's like someone like the Bucks, where you know they he the, you know Giannis is the poster child, and the Bucks are what top tops second team in the league, third team in the league projected. But it's it's like I mean there if you're looking at somebody saying you know I want to give somebody max max contract. I mean just because the Bucks said it. And they were the ones who got fined first. I'm trying to rethink. There has to be somebody who said, "I want to give this this guy a max contract. I want to give this guy. I don't want to give this guy too too much of a too much of a deal. Or or this this player should take a um uh a lesser money or something like that. Like it's it's just all these rules are are kind of conflicting now. Yeah, it's that's, making it very yeah, hard. And you guys yeah. you guys both said it right in terms of like the. Um, how are we going to police the the player to player? And you know what? You can't. You you just simply can't. You cannot police these guys talking to each other, right? I mean, it's it, it's like if you're the company that you worked for said, you know, share all of your WhatsApp messages with your coworkers. Hell no, yeah. that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's true. That's definitely not going to happen, yeah. right? So uh, there there's there's no way in which they're going to be able to police the the player to player, but the agent to player and agent to team one. They can kind of. So that's kind of the route they're going with. And, you know, the Bucks are already a victim of this. And it gonna for me, it's like what's interesting about these new rules is who is going to be their first, uh, who's going to be the first victim of this, right? right. And, and I know the Bucks were kind of the first, but I'm talking about like, you know, those $10 Everybody, million dollar fines, right? right? Yeah. Something to that effect. That'll be really interesting. Ha- that is the one is you're going to be setting an example out of that team, right? And it's got it's probably going to be a big name team. I have a feeling that it's not going to come from something to do with the NBA's contracts. This is where I think it's going to come from. It's going to be coming from the sponsorships, the endorsements. So the mm. amount of agents and players that are with you know multi the, players don't get the money from the NBA contracts. That's pocket change to them. It's coming from the endorsements. It's come from Gatorade, Nike, Puma, whatever, what have you. Freaking Zion Williams just got signed to his fourth endorsement deal. He's already rich beyond his, and he hasn't played a game, and he's not even twenty, guys. He's not even twenty. I hope he's old. not a bust. I, I yeah, really seriously, I really hope he's not a bust either. But the thing <laughs> is, like. If you're talking about that $10 million fine, it's not going to be coming from the contract. It's going to be coming from an agent who is saying, hey, I can get you this deal if you come to this team. That's where I think it's going to come from. Mm. There's a lot to unpack, man. It's a lot to unfold. Lots. And I, I'm, I'm kind of... It's interesting to talk about this. I know it's kind of... It's summer, but you know this, this could change a lot of things. It, it really could. Like, the, Let me tell you what's not going to change right. many things. The, the last piece of news we'll talk about before we go to the break is apparently the NBA is now ordering teams to give accurate ages and heights uh, <laughs> of all of their players. Like, I, why is this news? Why are we talking about this? It's because I think that also they originally they said something about including their actual weight, but that's not relevant anymore because all of their weight fluctuates right. throughout the season. So whatever. But they yeah. want. Why are we talking about this? It's because we don't really know how old Bismack Mielba is. We really don't. <laughs> I swear he's, he's just like, gonna wag his finger. You ask him. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I guess the shoes have a huge deal with it. They're almost like platforms at this stage. Like, I've tried on the 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 difference between the KDs and like the LeBrons is 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 quite like it's kind of astounding. I don't know, man. Wait. So who has the bigger height complex? LeBron. LeBron has a ah. huge shoe, man. Okay, the huge heel. Okay, yeah. The height thing can be a bit 
annoying because let's say you have somebody who adds a couple of inches to their height and you're trying to bring them onto a team, you know, you're trying to scout them out or whatever, and then you kind of get a little bit misled because, believe it or not, a couple of inches makes a big deal. Mm-hmm. It it adds to, you know, the overall picture of what your wingspan might be like, uh, what you might be like up against another player. It, it's it's a little frustrating. I can imagine for, from, like, the a drafter's point of view. I don't know. What do you guys think about the height thing? And I think I think it actually does matter, and I think it's silly to begin with that there there have been lies about it, so... I think it's. Oh, I think the height thing is is fairly useless. Like I don't care. Like I, I know that if anything, it's a pride thing, right? It's like right now, Fred Van Vliet is listed as six feet. There's no way he's six feet. Yeah. He's under. <laughs> Kyle Lowry's listed yeah. at six one. He ain't six one. He's under. Yeah. So this is. I think what'll it'll, it'll add some validity to what we've always thought. Like yeah, you guys are not six footers, right? Yeah. Um. But I think where it will get at least a little bit newsworthy is that when we find out that. Serge Ibaka is actually 43. I think that's what I'm really, I really want to find out. Yeah, it's true. Or the, or the fact that the 2019 champion champions have at least two five footers or, you know, five eleveners maybe. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy too. But that, that's, that's impressive. That's, that's not the other way around. I I would be like, that's even better. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's even more onus to us. All right. Well, who would have thought Kawhi Leonard was under five, like under six feet? <laughs> Never guessed. Never guessed. Very good. Very good. Those damn New Balance shoes. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. I, I knew it. All right. Well, let's hit a break because I want to talk some uh, brand new Raptors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I would say my usual, I want one of those, but I already got like 12, so let's just move on. <laughs> you have 12 New Balance shoes? God damn. Good for you. No, 12 pairs. I got 12 pairs of oh, New Balance okay, shoes. Okay. It's, uh, it's all of that Kawhi hashtagging during our Twitter phases. It's, <laughs> it, it paid off. It really did. I, I can't wear any of them worth a damn, but I... You don't wear a size 14. New Balance, that's why. <laughs> that's, that also does not help, but speaking <laughs> of New Balance... We got new players to balance the team. Let's go to our prospect. I like yeah, that. we got three, three uh, co-hosts, three players. Jake, give us the rundown. You know, the, the Raptors actually have a, a ton of new new players, but we've decided to um, highlight yes. three in particular. Um, Jay, you yes. want to tell us who we're going to be highlighting? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. I feel like every year before the start of the year, there's always going to be some new faces, new t- players that everyone's like, I don't know who the heck this person is. 
and you know maybe you do maybe you don't but if it's someone that you you don't and you know i'm one of them i don't really know much about these players either i want to hear what your take is so what i did or what we did is we decided to take a new player uh on our own do a little digging do a little research and see what they can bring or what you know if they are valuable to this team so we picked ronde hollis jefferson stanley johnson and Matt Thomas. Let's start off with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. All right. Uh, let me first start off by saying that uh, I chose RHJ because he's a lefty, just like me. Hey. And we lefties stick together. Uh, if you ever get a chance to look at Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's college picture, he looks like James Harden without a beard. Does he? It is. Oh, I'm checking this right now. Yeah, Google it. Tell me I'm not high or drunk. <laughs> but that's his sophomore. Like now he's got like dreads and it kind of looks whatever. But I mean, this oh is, my this god, god yeah. I'm like, they got the same weird. mouth and the same eyes. Smile. I don't oh know. wow! I, I saw. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> kind of. Um, but but speaking of his 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 college look, it was his college game that really got um, you know the NBA very excited about him. He was a five star recruit, um, and was joined Arizona and uh, did very well for the Wildcats. So he is even in college, he was known as someone who had a very um, uh, very he was very defensive minded, right? He he was built like an NBA player, like your prototypical like. NBA swingman. So he has a, you know, it, it's funny, we were talking about heights earlier, right? I mean, he's not listed as very tall. Mm. The wingspan of 7'1. So he's a very tall individual, even though he's only listed at 6'7. So that wingspan comes in, the, in, in favor, in, in as a benefit to him because. Um, he's typically someone to guard the the opponent's best perimeter player. Mm -hmm. So that's where he, he hangs his head on. He is the he's got he's very quick. He's got hops. Like he's when he's driving towards the rim, he's always looking to dunk and he's always looking to um, I guess go over uh, your your big man versus you know there are those who drive to the rim and are looking to kind of finesse a layup around a big man. No, he's going straight at you. He wants to posterize you. So that attacking mentality is something that I think the Raptors are going to really um, enjoy. It's something that he's not really known too much for, but it's something I think that will surprise Raptors fans. Is when you see him cutting down the lane and Gasol finds him on a cut, you you might see a poster. So, uh, so do you think he's going to kind of be like the uh, uh, oh shoot, what's his name, Demari Carroll that we've always wanted? Yeah, I could see that. Um, he's Demar Carroll, but the negative is Demar Carroll at least could hit the occasional three pointer. Mm. The downfall of RHJ is he has zero outside shot. It is, it is, you know, the percentages are not good, and he is now four years into his NBA career with no signs that that shot is getting any better. I mean, we have the Raptors have one of the best developmental programs in the league. But the Nets, their development program is not as bad either, right? So they've just trying to get that shot going, and it hasn't worked. I, I don't think that the Raptors will do that much better. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like you're, you're trying to find little um, nuggets of hope, 
right? Like, does he have a good free throw percentage? Does he have a, a good looking shot that's just not falling and needs minor tweaks? No, it's, it's, it's an ugly looking shot. The free throw percentage is not that great. The overall true shooting percentage is not that great, you know? So, um, it's, it, it they're lead, I guess the the Nets had given him enough of a chance, right? He was with them for four years, and four years doesn't seem like it's too long, but he's actually the last remaining Net of the Billy King era. Oh, so when he started, two thousand fifteen, when he was drafted in two thousand fifteen, like the starters on that team were Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson, wow, Bargnani was on that team, oh, wow. Thad Young was on that team, like. That team seems like it was a long time ago, but that was his rookie year. So he, Damn. the team wasn't that bad. Um, but it's just that he, th- once he joined the team, that team was uh, just coming off of a playoff uh, playoff run, and his entire time on that team up until last season was playoffless. So he's kind of like the last remaining part of that of that era and now it's ironic because i compare him to well actually let me take a step back uh nbadraft.net in their college review of him when he's coming out of college mm-hmm. his nba comparison was bruce bowen bruce Bowen, right i mean bruce bowen was a lockdown defender yeah. and that's what you know i was saying already rhj hangs his hat on defense and that's something that the raptors are going to be very very good in um you know the the biggest knock on him again is his shooting, but that's not what he's brought in for. He's brought in to drive the lane, like backdoor layup or whatever. But really, he's there for his defense. So and he's always moving, and that's gonna be great for this offense with with Gasol and Lowry running point. Um, it, I think he will find his points. Where, you know where he can. He's, he's open do you, for three. Do you think so, he's gonna come off the bench? Like he's gonna be one of the top with like. I don't know, say Norman Powell, is he going to be the one of the the energy guy for off the bench? The, the way in which he moves, um, he speaks to me as like, he's going to be a bench guy, but he has the opportunity to, to, to go in there and be a starter. I mean, we already saw last year with how much Nick Nurse liked to play around the lineups. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he sees some time as a starter, at least in the beginning of the season to see who he gels with, right? Maybe he gels with with Lowry, or maybe he gels better with with Van Vliet off the bench. So, I think Nick Nurse will play around with it. You will see him probably start a couple of games, um, but I think he's probably best suited as like that energy guy off the bench, who um, can stop. You can be that defensive stopper on the opposite team. Like if let's say for example, uh, if you remember the Bucks series last year, um, when we would go to our bench, um, Antetokounmpo was still out there, right? that would be if, if i'm thinking about that scenario it's like okay well let's bring in rhj off the bench and he can you know hold his own against data combo while right before he goes for his his rest something like that right um one more final point on him so i mentioned his nba player comparison was bruce bowen but i've got one on my own so again think about his story his story is that he's the last member of the billy king era so he was the one constant of the nets right for these last four years, mm-hmm. whether he was the best player, that that wasn't the case. But he was the face, I guess you could say. Not necessarily the best player, but you know, you think of the Nets over the last four years, you probably think of him. Think about his his journey now. So basically, the Nets gave up on him. Team and the team is now with Kyrie and KD next year. 
they are a legitimate contender, maybe not this year, but next year. Kind of sounds like DeRozan on the Raptors, where like you were the face of the franchise. Again, different because DeRozan was actually our best, one of our best players, but the face of the franchise. And the only way that franchise can reach that next level is if you were off the team. Mm. The RHJ is like, you know, he, he just couldn't cut it. Like he did all he could for the team. Um, he just wasn't the future. Um, and now he's, he's, uh, he's got a different role in the Raptors, right? He's not going to be dependent on to be a starter and to put in those big minutes. He's going to be dependent on to supply 20 hardcore minutes off the bench where he's shutting down whoever he's got to guard. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful for him. Um, and uh, I know, I've, I, you know, this is more of a testament to Nurse. I trust what he can do with RHJ in yeah. terms of fitting him into the offense, finding a role for him on offense, but knowing that, you know, we can totally trust him on the defensive end. I, I was mm-hmm. excited when we, when I heard about RHJ, like I liked everything that Brooklyn was, you know, where they were headed um, with that team. It was really full of energy and look at their team. It was like Jared Allen, Damari Carroll, uh, friggin RHJ and Chris Levert and, these were and D'Angelo Russell, of course, and these these guys that you they were very likable. I guess I think w- thinking about where Brooklyn was not too long ago, uh, after the whole you know KG Paul Pierce and everything, like they sucked, and then where they yeah. are now, it's it's quite impressive what they've done, and I feel like uh, RHA was a huge part of that. So the fact mm-hmm. that we have him on our, I guess you know possibly as a starter or coming off the bench, like that's. That's a good. That's a good pickup for for the Raps, man. I, I really am quite excited for RSJ. Yeah, and we got him for cheap too. I mean, this is basically a one year audition for him, um, and for two point five million, yo, I will happily take that. Yeah. For yes. like that's that that's that we're gonna pay in fines when we're recruiting Antetokounmpo this year. So uh, I'm more than happy with two point five million. <laughs> In, in in trying out RHJ to fit in even just a small role on this team. Damn, nice. Speaking of which, I mean, I, you know, I mentioned that he was a graduate of Arizona. Um, yes. His teammate, Stanley Johnson, is also yeah. on the Raptors. Yeah, that's, that's about my guy. Them. Yeah, Dre, give us, give that... us a download on, uh, on Stanley Johnson. Let us know why we should be excited for Stanley Johnson. Yeah. Okay. So first off, young kid. He's 23. Uh, he's got a bit of height on him. Six foot seven. Except after our last segment, I don't trust either of those <laughs> things. So uh, yeah, he's he's from Arizona. He had a pretty good record over there, averaging close to 14 points, uh, quite a few rebounds. This is one of my big pluses that I that I spotted when trying to do research on this guy. Uh, back in college, was uh, averaging around seven rebounds, but his points kind of dwindled a little bit, and I'll get into why in a little bit. Once he transferred to the NBA back in uh, 2015, he was drafted by the Pistons, and he basically has been a Piston until last year, getting traded midway through to the Pelicans. Really didn't do much for the Pelicans. 18 games, zero starts. But it's the Piston years that we're looking at. So, you know, points per game, the highest he ever reached was just under 9, 8.7. It's not quite what he was doing with you know, with the, the college years, but the rebounds per game in the NBA, you know, you're looking at roughly four or five a game, depending on the year, which is pretty awesome, I think. So, and this is on the Pistons with Andre Drummond. So, 
to be like the kind of backup cleaner upper is pretty cool. And speaking of Drummond, um, from the from the research that I did, I think that Stanley Johnson does exceptionally well when he's like the initiator or the recipient of a one-two punch. He worked really well with Drummond. I mean, he he had some pretty crazy, almost Russell Westbrooky explosive passes that I noticed a lot in a number of highlight compilations where, you know, if you have like a big guy like Andre Drummond or like a Blake Griffin or something, you would be at the end of a Stanley Johnson crazy-ass pass that would, he would go up to the board, pass it off, and the guy behind him would, would just do even more damage to the defenders than Stanley Johnson himself would have done. So the guy is obviously very crafty. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, taking a look at his jump shot, I don't know how some of his shots go in. His jumper's a little bit wonky, but hey, if they're going in, they're going in, and they're not Lonzo Ball bad, so that's fine. But obviously, this is something where, with the right team, the right coach, and the right staff, this could be something that's cleaned up. And that's my main thing I want to bring up is how Stanley Johnson, I personally feel, is potential being held back. So. He is the first recipient of the Julius Irving Award, which, uh, yeah, the first year that it happened was 2015. So obviously he was the first. So he was seen as like this big, bright future from, from coming out of college. And of course he was. He was drafted eighth overall by the Pistons. So no disrespect. The first reason why I think this dude's being held back quite a bit is uh, three words Stan Van Gundy. So when he was in charge of the Pistons way back when, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, before Dwayne Casey, I feel like, yeah, Stanley Johnson started a couple of games. Okay, not a couple. Uh, quite a bit in the 2017-18 season. He started 50 out of the 69 games that he played. Mm-hmm. But before that, you know, it was like one game, six games. And after that, it was like, seven and then when he went to the pelicans he didn't start any but i feel like it's his minutes that kind of were perplexing where he either wasn't playing a hell of a lot or if he was i I feel like he was being underutilized like even in his 2017 2018 season where he was playing quite a bit like roughly half a game i feel like he was being very underutilized by van gundy who perhaps didn't really know how to use a kid like this and it's unfortunate and another thing i feel like which a lot of people have brought up is the fact that um right before he was drafted he took a really a really big emotional hit when his his mom passed away from cancer and i think that would mess up anybody that age just like this young kid who's getting sent into the league you have all of this all of this pressure you know you've just won this award the, the jea you're you're coming in from a highly prospective college career and you're going to a team where you're kind of being underutilized and mis mishandled almost so i feel like it's weird i don't think these numbers are going to be the ones that we will get from him as a raptor and he's a he's a small forward so obviously those are some big shoes to fill because the last guy we had that was, you know, in a similar position, you know, he's gone now. So we're, we're obviously looking to to clean up shop in that kind of area. So obviously the Raptors run very defensively. So his his rebounding numbers, 
are pretty great. He doesn't have a lot of assist numbers, but his assist history is also looking pretty sharp. I just think this is a guy, he's not going to like explode on Siakam level of growth, but I think with Nurse and the proper team, I think he's going to be even better than what we've seen already. I don't know what you guys think, but... I feel like I I agree with you. I think he was kind of underutilized when he was in Detroit. So I'm I'm quite excited to see Stanley Johnson too. Where I'm concerned is where is he going to get his minutes too? Like because the he does like he he's not too much of a point guard, is he? Like he he he's going to have to play behind Kyle and and Fred, and he's going to have to kind of you know get those minutes uh, somewhere. So I I'm, that's where I'm kind of concerned of it. I think too that like with with Kawhi and Daniel no longer here. I mean, it, it was very obvious with um, Masai's moves that you know he's trying to fill that gap of like, okay, well, this is now a wings league, an athletic wings league, right? So maybe I'm not going to get someone to to match the the three point shooting of Danny Green. Or maybe we did with the next guy we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. um, but. In terms of matching the defensive side of it, um, again, you're not going to find another Kawhi, but you know, getting someone with the defensive prowess of RHJ and getting someone with the tools that Stanley Johnson has to kind of fill in some of those gaps. I mean, I think that it's it's less going to be about okay, we're going to do a very starter-heavy type of lineup to everyone's going to kind of get a shot, right? And when we talk about who is going to fill the starters' role. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Norm is the one that gets the first crack and OG does, mm-hmm. but I also wouldn't be surprised if both Stanley and, and RHJ see some time there as well, right? It's it's more like, you know, the, the first half of the season is 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 going to be a big tryout, right? And that's that's a that's a good motivating factor, right? I mean, and it's funny that we talk about we've all mentioned Nick Nurse this way already, and like in the span of a year, he's managed to change our perception on and, and change our hopes of a team because of how well he did last year. Now it's like, you know, if this was last year, I'd be like, I don't know with this RHJ guy. I don't know about Stanley Johnson. Like it doesn't seem to fit, but now it's like we trust in nurse and knowing how to utilize uh, the players at his disposal. Right. So um, I'm excited that Stanley Johnson's here and I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I think that, you know, the, the pluses that you brought out Dre is, is more of what we're going to see. Uh, on this squad. Nick Nurse is kind of like the this year's or I guess two years ago's Bradley uh, Bradley Stevens or Brad, Brad Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. 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 Like he's mm. he's young, he's a new coach and he has a, he had a lot to prove and clearly he proves it already taking a veteran team and kind of making it his own and you know, look what he got out of it. So and now we are it's like as much as we have trust in Masai, it's like you know what, let's trust the Nurse. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool. And the NBA is, is, um, has shown that they're a little bit um, uh, behind the eight ball on some of their awards. And what I mean by that is I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if the Raptors do as well as I think they will, which is number three seed, 50 wins. If they can hit those two benchmarks, you're going to hear a lot of Nick Nurse for Coach of the Year mm-hmm. uh, talk because he yeah. didn't get that talk last year. Everyone just attributed it to Kawhi. But we have a very solid squad, um, you know, highlighted by the two guys we've talked about already. I mean, and one more guy that we're going to have to talk about who has a effective shooting percentage of 99%. Yep. So why don't we go over to uh, Matt Thomas? Sure, man. Okay, so 
I feel like Matt Thomas is kind of like the enigma when it comes to the Raptors. No one has really seen much of him uh, except for some highlights uh, from the EuroLeague. So let me let me break it down for you, okay? Matt Thomas, he's a little bit, you know, NBA older, uh, 25 years old, shooting guard. Uh, we signed him to three years at $4.2 million, roughly $1.4 million per year. Uh, his background, he came from Iowa State, and in his collegiate career, he has made 254 three-pointers. Uh, of those three-pointers, about 43.8% on them and 5.8 shots per game. Now, when it comes to his NBA experience, he went, uh, he got undrafted and, well, he put his name in the NBA draft at 2000, in 2017. He got undrafted, so what he did was he played in the summer league for the Lakers, and in that time, that span of time, he actually helped them win that year in 2017. Uh, one notable game was the championship game, where he scored 23 points, eight for nine from the field, and five for five for at three for for three. So what is more interesting is not so much his NBA experience because you know he doesn't have any just so far, but is where he came from. So. If you guys haven't seen already, there was this really, really good story. Uh, who it was released by Alex Wong, uh, or no, it was written by Alex Wong, uh, released on Yahoo Canada. If you guys haven't read it, please do. It's fantastic. It's more about his upbringing, uh, where it talks much, uh, much about his mother, uh, having to raise three kids. Uh, when his father passed away, well, actually, he committed suicide at age forty-five. Well. Oh. While Matt was in fifth grade and his eldest brother was in seventh grade and his youngest sister is in like second grade or something like that. But in that span of time, uh, his mother had to, you know, be the one who brought these kids up. And that I can just I can't imagine what what kind of stress and what kind of uh, things that they had to go through. But in doing so, like Matt, it was basically a a legend when it came to his high school in Onalaska, Wisconsin. Uh, he actually uh, outscored his mother's record in high school and had a 50-point game in high school. So whenever people are in the gym in Wisconsin and they, you know, shoot a three at the buzzer, they don't say Steph Curry. They don't say LeBron James. They say Matt Thomas. They say Kobe. They say, they say, they say Matt Thomas. They say, exactly. exactly. They say you Matt Thomas. You have to bring up Kobe. <laughs> it's, 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 it's incredible what, what, they're, what they're talking about. And so it, where... where um, this the story of gets a little bit deeper when in his second year in Iowa he he actually got pulled over uh for dr- uh, driving under influence and in doing so he his his older brother was the one who really helped him uh understand like the substance abuse and because you know because of his father who had issues with substance abuse that it could be hereditary uh he he made sure that matt uh attended classes uh matt also like shared his story in high school and quit drinking after a year after that incident so um it, it it's it's really crazy of like where these the, this player has come from and it kind of with his undrafting in 2017 and his upbringing and everything is i'm not saying that it it reminds me of anybody else's story because the story is quite unique. But with that kind of drive, it, it kind of reminds me of Fred Van Fleet, how he got undrafted and how where where he had to like prove himself. Um, he was too small and and all these different things, and now he's an NBA champion. So, it the 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 story that Alex wrote is incredible. Um, it made me want to cheer for Matt Thomas even more so than I already did. And 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 even looking at his like percentages in in Europe. So in 2017, 2018, he averaged 15 points a game. 2018, 
2018-2019, 11 points a game. But in that span, uh, I know everyone has already seen the stat, and Jay Uri pointed this out, but per Synergy Basketball, Matt Thomas is arguably the top jump shooter outside of the NBA last season, posting an efficient field goal percentage of 82 on catch-and-shoot jump shots, including a 99% when left unguarded. 99. 99. I've I've never got that grade ever (laughs) in my life. (laughs) And that's in three-point shots left unguarded. Granted, the Europe uh, three-point line is a little bit shorter, but with his prowess, I'm pretty sure he's going to adapt. So I wrote a little bit of pros and cons for Matt Thomas. Uh, I pros obviously he's a crazy accurate shooter. I feel like his the the filling of Danny Green's shoes on on offense, not defense, on offense is you know it's is filled. I I I I honestly think so. He spreads the floor and honestly is relatively cheap. I mean one point four million per year. You can't really go wrong. Cons, he's a little small. Um, he's not the most physical. Obviously, I think he might get bullied in, in that kind of wing, in that three position. And he's kind of a one-trick pony when it comes to the three-point. Uh, well, I guess that's all he's shown. Uh, that's all we've known. So he can, you know, he can show us a lot. If he can show us a lot more, driving to the hoop, being more of a facilitator, he's showing a little bit of athleticism. Maybe, you know, maybe he can fill a really good role. So unlike... Unlike RHJ or unlike uh, Stanley Johnson, uh, who probably have a really big role for these raps uh, for this rap teams, I think Matt Thomas has to kind of um, prove himself. And and he said it in his last interview. Actually, it it was in Alex Wong's interview, where he's he's excited for this opportunity. He's excited to start from the ground up again. He's excited to prove everybody wrong or or prove himself right. And I'm excited too, and I'm pretty sure that everybody uh, in the Raptor land this this allure of Matt Thomas, this like 99% shooter. There's nothing else. I, this guy is a Raptor. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, there's too many times when you know hot shooters like Will Ellington they, they completely destroyed us, um, and and we've always like you know what we could really use a sharpshooter, and we had that last year, but now he's gone. So we have we need somebody to fill that role. Who knows? Maybe it's Matt Thomas. He's going to be the, uh, you know, it's funny that you bring up Bismack Biombo earlier. Like he's going to be that guy that when he steps, like when he gets up off his seat, everyone in the it's Scotiabank Arena is going to stand up yes. and just start going crazy. Like he is the Bruno Caboclo. He is the Bismack Biombo. He is the Quincy AC. He is the the guy who is as he's about to check in, everyone gets like it could be like a thirty point blowout. The Raptors <laughs> be blowing out whoever it is, the Knicks, let's say, the second, and then you're gonna hear chants of Matt Thomas, oh, yeah. Matt Thomas, Matt Thomas. For sure. So he's basically the Scalabrini of the Raptors, this guy that who no matter what he does or when he comes in, everyone's gonna lose their minds. Yeah, no matter or yeah. he's definitely no matter what if he's going to put up a shot or you see matt thomas open just like when we had danny green and he was wide open in the, in the corner whenever he was releasing the shot you heard everybody gasp in the arena because you knew it was the 99 of the time it's going to go in <laughs> and, and yeah. you want to see that go in so i can't wait man i know that a lot of people that we talked to on the raptors fear and the raptors twitter they're crazy excited about matt thomas and it's nuts because we've never really seen what he's done we've seen some highlights on youtube we've seen the stats and everything but it's it's just the excitement 
what do we have to lose? We're NBA champions. We want to have we, we want to have these stories, these Fred VanVleet stories, these Matt Thomas stories on our team, so we can cheer uh, the fact that these guys are champions and maybe they're they're actually defending champions. That's that's the crazy part, and I love these kind of stories that Matt Thompson brings. But yeah, guys, uh, that those are three. Three, only three guys, only three new guys from the Raptors this year. There's a, a tons of other ones, to be honest. I can't even think about it right now. But this is a new team. Uh, I wanted to, you know, talk talk to you guys about, you know, what we can expect, uh, ho- what we hope uh, these guys bring to the Raptors. Uh, if you know, if you want, if you guys want to talk about new Raptors too, we can probably do that in the next episode. But I'm excited, guys. I mean, how how much longer, man? Like. Under thirty days, under a month left uh, until Yo, the this, season. This time next week. This time next week, they're already flying it to. Uh, oh, look at that! Japan. I know, I know. Don't remind me, man. Oh. I wish I was there. You should have stayed. I should have stayed. <laughs> so it's right around the corner, man. But yeah, I'm. I'm glad we're doing this. I'm glad we're back on schedule. I'm glad. I'm glad to talk to you guys again. Honestly, I miss you guys. I miss you fans. I miss you guys. I miss you listeners. I miss the Raptors. I think we all do, but. I can't wait We've to got like 26 days. I know. I can't wait to defend this championship. But until then, uh Jay, where can I find you, brother? You can find me on Twitter at Rosalisource. And uh I've got a couple of pieces I'm working on for Raptors HQ. Um, by the time this episode comes out, uh I believe we'll already be close to releasing our annual player previews and You'll never guess who I'm doing a player preview on. That's right. It's RHJ. <laughs> so <laughs> look out for my piece. But I would also suggest, I mean, everyone, the whole staff is jumping in and everyone's picking a player to do a preview on. Uh, you know, I recommend all of them, really. Um, but more specifically, RHJ, come read Pine. Thanks. Um, uh, outside of that, uh, I, I was thinking about doing this other article on fantasy basketball team names that are Raptors related, but oh, yeah. I might just keep that one in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that one in my back pocket for now. I'm not sure about that one yet. I don't know if I have enough puns in me, um, but we'll see. I'll keep that one there, but that's where you can find me. Dre, what about you, buddy? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs, and you could also follow my film editorial and review website, Films Fatale, F-I-L-M-S, F-A-T-L-E, Com. Please take part in my readers poll. I want to know what your favorite films of the decade are. Um, our list is coming out in the middle of November. Plus, October 13th, we're going to review every Best Picture winner of all time. One a day. There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of crap ones. Mm-hmm. You got to find out which one's which. Uh, Jay, where can we find you're, you? You're also doing a uh, Top 100 albums, no? Oh, well, that's just on on social media. That's just more of like a casual thing. I'm not really giving any um, explanations or anything with that. That's just like a, an experiment with a buddy of mine and, and myself. But that's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that as well. Yeah, I love it, man. I love your countdowns, bro. But uh, yeah, man, Thank you. you can you can find me on Twitter at jlone 20 To be honest, I'm not doing too much on there. I am usually on uh, That's a Rap along with these two gents. So you can find us on That's a Rap Pod. You can find also... Uh, you can find us also on Raptors HQ because that is our home base. We are back, boys. I can't wait. We are defending champions. Let's go. Until next time, boys. That's a wrap.